Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin. Happy Monday, She Did Her Her Way listeners, and thank you for tuning in and starting your week off right with us. Before we dive in, I have some exciting news to share with you that some of you may have already seen, but last week, Forbes included She Did It Her Way as part of an article for the 12 best podcasts for entrepreneurs. And we are so thankful, not only for the women we interview, but for our loyal listeners like you all who tune in every single week to hear from the women that we bring on and and to get the inspiration. So just know that we are so appreciative of all of you. Okay. So this week's podcast, we are excited to have Ashley Logan with us, who is the CEO and editor-in-chief of a Chicago-based content marketing firm, Yakety Yak. Ashley shares her incredible journey that many of you listeners may be on or may embark on one day. She began by graduating from the University of Tennessee with a creative writing degree and selling candy to major retailers as her first job. After realizing selling candy was not what she wanted to do for the rest of her life, she tried out the competitive field of commercial real estate, as well as write for philanthropic organizations. Ashley didn't quite know what she wanted to do, but trying out all of these jobs helped her discover that she not only is passionate about writing, but also passionate about solving problems for businesses. With this knowledge, she quit her commercial real estate job and the same day created Yakety Yak. So let's get started and see how Ashley shaped her strategies to help her get a career that satisfies her passions. Ashley, today, share with us what it is that you do, and then we'll get into the backstory about your whole journey because it is quite an interesting journey, and I want our listeners to be able to hear it because I'm I'm hands down certain that a lot of people have either had this journey or on this journey or will embark on this journey. So tell us what you do and then give us the whole journey and how you got there. Yeah, cool. Um, so I am Ashley Logan, the CEO, editor-in-chief of Yakety Yak, which is a content marketing firm based here in Chicago. And basically our bread and butter services are providing social media custom newsletters, and custom blogs for small to mid-sized businesses. And that encompasses pretty much anything that a business wants in writing, from press releases to website copy, marketing collateral. We help them establish their target audience and develop a voice to reach that target audience most effectively. Awesome. And how did you – now tell us how you got into it. So go all the way back to – the good old days from when you started before Yakety Yak. Okay. So uh, my journey is interesting. I started, I knew that I wanted to be a writer since I was a little girl. I think I was in kindergarten and I won the Young Authors Award in like 1989, not to date myself. But <laughs> um, so then I went on to University of Tennessee where I majored in creative writing and so it was always a passion of mine. I worked at the 
the college newspaper. And then after graduation, it was just a strange time to get into writing and I needed to make money. So I started in sales. And my first job out of college was a regional sales and marketing manager for a candy company, again, based here in Chicago. So I had half the country and I was driving around slinging candy to major retailers. And it was kind of cool because sometimes we could develop new packaging and sometimes we could um, invent new candy pieces. But ultimately, I knew that I did not want to sell candy the rest of my life. And that sales, while it was a really cool business, was not ultimately what I wanted to do. But before I could go back to school, I needed to make some money and get a little bit comfortable with my life and my career path. So I'd always had an interest in real estate because my father was in real estate development. It's one of his many, he's a serial entrepreneur, so it was one of his side gigs. <laughs> and so I started in commercial real estate as a tenant rep office broker, which is, for those of you who don't know, an insanely competitive field. Mm. I was one of the only women in the industry, and we represented businesses who were either renegotiating or relocating their office space around the Chicagoland area. And it was awesome and super cutthroat and something that I actually did pretty well with. But again, it wasn't totally my passion. So to keep the creative juices flowing, I worked with several different philanthropy organizations on their messaging. So I was helping them with their copywriting, helping them with their website copy, and helping them reach that target audience that um, would help raise money for the organizations. One of them was a Silver Lining Foundation, fantastic breast cancer organization here in Chicago. And so from there, that's kind of how I was staying in touch with my creative side, but it still wasn't really enough. Well, so how long were you selling candy? <laughs> how long were you selling candy after you graduated from University of Tennessee? Uh, for about a year and a half, I think. Okay. And then you went off and you started doing the real estate. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. And then while you're in real estate, that's when you were doing your creative side of working in philanthropy with content writing and all that jazz, right? Yes, okay, absolutely. Perfect. So what I kind of figured out later was that I was doing content marketing before it was a thing. I just didn't know what it was called. But what I knew for sure was that if there was a way for me to combine what I had learned in commercial real estate, which was solving problems for businesses, and I loved it. I loved being part of the strategy. If I could combine that with something more creative and the writing side of things, then that was going to be a home run for me. Mm -hmm. So back in 2012, I decided that I'd built that nest egg to put myself back through grad school. And uh, so I enrolled at Northwestern and started getting a master's in journalism through the Medill School of Journalism. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then you, were you still working then in your real estate job as you went back? No, I, the, I took a couple months off and I think I left the company in July and I, and the program started in September. So what I did was I simultaneously started Yakety Yak pretty much the day that I 
left commercial real estate, I started Yakety Yak, focusing mostly on that website copy and social media. Gotcha. Okay, so what was that like? I mean, you had been, you had this corporate gig in real estate, doing really well, successful at it. You had your creative on the side with philanthropy. And then you decided to invest. I'm sure it wasn't cheap to go back to grad school. I mean, how did you know for a fact like that was the right decision to leave real estate, something that was probably lucrative at the time, to go all into your master's and then at the same time start a company of your own? Well, that's a good question. Working in a field where you're not satisfied for someone like me and probably a lot of the people that you interview on your show, it's hard. It's so sucking. I was tired of looking over my shoulder in a super cutthroat environment and I was just unhappy. I So what I did was I, I tend to operate at, uh, I had at the time tons of social engagements I mean, before, during, and after work, whether it was meeting people for lunch, having cocktails after work. And so I decided to take some serious me time and I only allowed myself three nights a week to leave my house, which sounds a little bit weird, but I had to be that regimented and I journaled and I painted and I really explored what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I thought back to those aspirations, what got me out of bed in the morning when I was 22 years old. What was my plan then? How had I gotten away from that course and how could I get back on it while applying all the things that I had learned along the way? So for me, that translated directly into taking the creative writing and the business and combining it into Yakety Yak, where I could apply the strategy that was so important for these businesses help them connect the dots between their audiences and their messaging, and then put all of those pieces together ultimately, which I realized that I had sort of a rare skill set of combining the, the business acumen with the creative side. Yeah. Well, let's go back to when you said you would take three nights a week and invest that time in yourself to really figure out what it is that you want to do. Because I know that was a period that I went through and I would bet that a lot of the listeners find themselves in maybe some jobs or positions, whether you're in corporate America or you are out on your own, that process of saying, yeah, I'm not really feeling where I'm at right now. Like, tell us more about some of the things you did. I know you mentioned that you did painting and you did writing and you thought about the aspirations and things that you would do to get yourself back into say like, what is really driving Ashley and what do I want for my life? Tell us more about some of the things that you did during that time. <laughs> well, aside from laying on my kitchen floor with a giant glass of red wine, listening <laughs> to Pearl Jam. I, I feel like that, that is like your, oh gosh, that's like the ticket into the world of like entrepreneurship, but you have to hit, you got to be on that floor and you got to have that glass of wine and go, okay, here we are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think that for me, I, I had always thought like, okay, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. And then I realized it was time to, to just be really straightforward and honest with myself. 
I had accomplished a lot in sales in a short period of time. So I wanted the next step to be truly meaningful and be my, not my last step, but to be the step where I really took control of everything that I had and that I had been doing and had learned. The great thing about commercial real estate, well, the, the good and the bad thing about it was that I was 100% commission. So when you're starting off at 24 years old, making literally zero money, you quickly learn what it's like to be an entrepreneur. So that lesson in itself really, really helped me. So I learned to budget the money that was coming in, learned how to get really thrifty when I had to. One thing that I would always do was every time I closed a deal in real estate, I would stock my freezer. And just in case that next commission took longer to clear than than I thought it would, I would have food to eat. Wait, you and stocked your freezer? Swear. Like, I what my would freezer. you stock it with? I know that's a weird, like, but that is um, awesome. <laughs> Boca burgers, those green beans with the almonds, the, the pre-made pasta by Bertoli, uh, of course, frozen pizza, ice cream. <laughs> so, I mean, anything yeah. that I could put together that would get me through like a week of food if I needed it. What are some of the, now I'm going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but you kind of got me interested on when you talk about being hundred percent commissioned and having to get thrifty, which amen sister, tons of props for that. What are some of the things that you did that you can also share that you did that was thrifty that if anyone listening and wants to go out on their own and is trying to figure out creative ways to be thrifty and to scale back their lifestyle so that they can set themselves up for that position, tell us more of those things too. Ultimately, uh, packing the lunch, cutting out those much needed afternoon lattes and just reining in the social schedule. That was, that was a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. And then um, not shopping, learning how to reuse the clothes in my closet without having to go out and buy something new. So laying out outfits the night before, things like that that kind of take away that impulse urge for spending. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, especially I think being a woman too, when like your the way you dress can oftentimes be perceived as like your brand and how you project yourself. Did you ever find yourself internally struggling saying, okay, I need to go out and network. And if I don't, I won't grow my client base or I won't grow my business, or I need to go out and shop and add pieces to my closet. Otherwise people won't perceive me as what I really want them to. Did you ever encounter any of that? Well, it, that kind of taps into a whole different thing, which was sexism in, in business. But without going totally down <laughs> that rabbit hole at this point, I'll say that definitely professional attire was essential mm-hmm. and making sure that I looked put together was even more important. What I found was that I walked into a room knowing I kind of have this point system. I walked into a room knowing negative three, where a man walks into a room and know and knows three. So I had to work doubly to be, to demonstrate that I was as informed and more so than anyone else that was in the same room as me. And appearance was part of that in a big way. So being classy, not showing too much, but still being feminine. I didn't want to be, didn't want to not be true to myself. I'm a girly girl. I love anthropology like big time. (laughs) So, um, I guess that at the end of the day, one, 
I got breaks in weird places. I remember I was on a building tour and I was on top of a roof on Wacker Drive and there was a big puddle and I stepped in it and my shoes got soaked and kind of ruined. And then this landlord broker sent me a gift card to DSW for like 200 bucks. And I was like, score, this is so awesome. So I find that like when you just really hunker down and be positive with things, the universe has its way of repaying you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It definitely does. So you shared all the things that you did to help get to learning to be on a budget, being thrifty. And now, so let's go back. You were getting your master's back. You started in September 2012 at the same time started Yakety Yak. What was that like going to school full time and then also really building out Yakety Yak? Well, what was really cool is that Medill has such an awesome program that has really evolved with the times. So they were talking constantly about audience and writing with a voice and tone, defining your target audience, thinking about who is reading what you're putting together. So that gave me tremendous help and insight into how I deal with my clients right now, figuring out who they want to reach, who is their target audience, and putting together the right materials to satisfy that. Now, I did not take on, I wasn't aggressively trying to grow Yakety Yak while I was in school. And the nice thing was that I had the, I had the ability to, from saving what I did when I was in real estate, to kind of sit back and think about what I wanted this company to be while taking in everything that I could from the one-year-long program. Mm -hmm. What were some of those things? The main thing was definitely learning how to be a better writer, learning how to be a better editor, fact-checking. Oh, my gosh, that is so huge and is totally important still whenever I'm working with my clients. And then from there, the, the main the target audience and learning how to write for a specific audience, adjusting your voice and tone. So those things just 100% directly translate, couldn't be in business without them to yakety yak right now. Gotcha. And so within, when did you take yakety yak from being just Ashley to growing it out to what it is today? I mean, walk us through that journey. So where you started and then where it's at today. And then we'll go back and talk about how something was just you and now it's involving more people and client growth. Sure. So after I had an interesting, I didn't just dive into Yak Yak full time. It was something that I was growing gradually. And so once I finished my master's in journalism, I started working at a really, really, really low level at a publishing company. And I have to say that for anyone who is interested in making a total career change, don't feel like you're above taking those really low level positions. I think I was a content, I was a content writer making 15 bucks an hour. And they said, okay, you're getting 
we're going to have you on for a three-month contract. And if you're really good at this, we're going to extend your contract for six months. And I was like, oh, gee, thanks. I just can't wait to be stuck making 15 bucks an hour for another three months. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just want to clarify that my aspirations were bigger. So, so what got you through that, though? Because I think that's important, and you had said it before, is that never be above taking a what someone might consider a low-level position. So whether it's publishing or, or a different um, industry, how did you mentally get through that? Well, on one hand, it was I soaked in as much as I could. I was like, okay, there's definitely a learning opportunity here. I'm meeting great people, and I'm also learning how this company operates, which will be great for my own business. So I sort of used it as market research in a way. And then, you know, in the off hours, I was still adding more Yakety Yak clients every month. At this point, we had extended into the whole custom blog arena, which is now the soul of the whole organization. And so what I did was I just took it all in stride. I, I didn't take myself too seriously with it. I asked questions. And then when it was time to go home, I left. But I will say that I had a set timeline for it. When they came to me and said, okay, we'd like you to stay for that extra three months, I was like, I'm sorry, but that's just not really in the cards for me. And they said, well, okay, wait, wait, wait. How about you be an editor? And I was like, awesome. Sure, I'll be an editor. <laughs> so asking for what you want is and setting boundaries, don't be afraid to do that because there's always something bigger around the corner. And so I accepted the editor position there. And then within a couple of just a couple of months through networking, I was offered an opportunity through Splash Home, a new publication from the Sun-Times, writing about real estate. So the world just comes all completely full circle. So then I was writing for the Sun-Times, working for this publishing company, and running Yakety Yak. So talk about a wow. lot done and a big learning curve. How did you manage all of that and stay focused? Uh, a lot of lists. List making <laughs> was part of it. But also it was kind of cool because I, well, A, it taught me to put Yakety Yak on a schedule so that all of the content that we were producing for businesses were was strictly regimented. There were set deadlines. There was a process. So it helped me build my process. And then when it came to the publishing company, same thing. We had set deadlines. Everything operated like a well-oiled machine well in advance. And then for the Sun-Times, I just just out there reporting. So it was it was a cool time. It and then eventually I I stopped working with the publishing company and just focused on Yakety Yak and Splash and then eventually just Yakety Yak. When did you go full time with Yakety Yak? Full time in August of 2014. Were you scared or I mean any laying up a calendar to confirm this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, full-time last August. What was that like? Uh, it was it was a no-brainer at that time. We had, I'd been growing at a really fast rate that hasn't actually stopped, about 25% per quarter. Oh my gosh. And so as I was adding more clients, then it was easy to transition into, into a full-time role. Sure. So, 
and bringing people on the team right away to help smooth that transition. My gosh. And so now, I mean, it's been over a year. You're growing every quarter. Um, Walk us through the process of the business from a client reaches out and then how your role in terms of assessing the client and then the delegation to the people that you also bring on your team as well. Sure. So what I found is that we're attracting a lot of professional services clients, but also ones in the real estate and design field, which isn't surprising because that is the background that I come from and I have a lot of contacts in that world. But our process is we sit down and I really like to work with clients who believe in content marketing, who fundamentally get the importance of putting a controlled message out to their set audience. So we'll sit down and talk about their their goals, their objectives, what they want to accomplish and in what timeline. And then we break down their target audience, figure out who they're trying to reach. Again, their growth goals, if they want to be more promotional in their voice versus editorial. And we just take all of that information and develop a full content strategy in the form of an editorial calendar, which is my favorite. Editorial calendars are my jam. I love them. Mm -hmm. Do you use any sort of um, programs or ways that you organize your editorial calendars for all your clients? I use, I do everything is completely customized to each client. So I develop an editorial calendar in Google Drive that based on content buckets and content buckets are effectively just the different areas of a company that they want to focus on. So that could be for the sake of yakety yak, it could be social media, newsletters, blogs, and website copy. And so we divide, we take those content buckets and we divide subject matter under each of those buckets. And then we make sure that we're covering all areas of their business through the editorial calendar so that over the course of a month or a six month period that they're talking about everything they need to be talking about to appeal to SEO and general their general audience. But ultimately, Google Drive is where we do almost everything, enhanced by project management software like Asana, which I'm mm-hmm. trying to get better at, and, um, and Hootsuite for, for posting okay. and scheduling. Asana and Hootsuite. Do you use, I mean, because how many people are you working with to help delegate work out to at this point? There are four other people on my team aside from me. Wow. And so do you ever find, so you're, you're managing four other people on your team. You've got a handful of clients. You're using Asana and Hootsuite to stay organized. Are there any, anything else that you use to help communication and process flow that you feel might be of value to someone who has a blog and they're listening right now to this podcast? I would say for anyone who has a blog, big or small, for their own personal brand or for their large business, the best thing that you can do is to plan out your content in advance so that on those days when you're ready to write, that you have set ideas in mind, that you can can put pen to paper with a little bit more ease. 
sometimes when you plan things out in advance, however you want to do it, whether it's in an Excel spreadsheet or a Google document, then it helps you to think about daily situations. So say that you know that you're going to write about X subject in a month, then you've got four weeks to collect information and kind of file away in your brain. So when it's time to write about it, you can do that more easily. Mm -hmm. So for me, planning things out in advance is the best thing that any content producer can do. Sure. So what, and then just with your experience in Yakety Yak, you've been doing it for a year now. What's been, as someone who, I mean, you're running, you're driving, driving your own ship. I don't know (laughs) if that would be the correct terminology, but um, what's been like the biggest growth opportunity for you? Because I know there are a lot of listeners too out there that are running, they're being solopreneurs, but then they also are working with, they have other people on their team. So in any capacity, I mean, what was, what's been your biggest, uh, I don't want to say low point, but a point where you're like, woof, that hurt. That was definitely learning. Definitely not doing that again. Oh yeah. Well, gosh, there's so many things. (laughs) Where do I even start? Um, to begin with, there's managing a team is tough and I'm trying to get better at that. And so to help, I've, I'm working with a career coach who is absolutely amazing. Melissa from the CEO office. Yeah. Yeah. Small plug. She's fantastic. She's, and she's, she's been featured on your show. I think she's just, she's the bomb, but So having, recognizing that I can't do it all and asking for help is huge. And if the company is going to grow to the heights that I would like it to, then I need to let go of the reins. And that's what really I've been working on and and focused on until the end of this year, tightening up our process, making sure that everyone has a clear understanding of their role knows, has enough room to run with what they need to do. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the clog in the funnel. I don't want to be the one holding up the operations because if I have 20 calls, sorry, uh, keep going. (laughs) If I have 20 calls in a day, then it's, I don't want them to be waiting on me to approve a social media graphic that was supposed to go on Instagram know, at noon. So I think that that knowing that, and then also another big one is figuring out the type of people that I want to work with. I have come across some unbelievable people who are so awesome and I love their business, but ultimately it's not going to be the right fit for me and the direction of my company, either because they don't quite understand the boundaries, they don't have the budget and that's okay. It is completely acceptable to elect not to work with someone. And setting those boundaries for myself has let me seek out the people that I do want to work with more effectively and reach them with a more targeted approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely super important to figure out who the right clients or people or even the people you dish out work to as well, like super important. What for you, um, how do you do, and this is, this is kind of a one-off question, but how do you do planning, um, as a small business 
uh, solopreneur, entrepreneur yourself, like how do you go about doing planning for your organization? Um, I feel like you have to be reflecting on your business all the time. So that old mentality that I took, remember a couple years ago before I started Yak and Yak and went back to school, taking time for myself just to ponder the realities of what I'm doing, evaluate, am I on the right with this right now. And I kind of just went through one of those moments as of the last couple of weeks. And I said, I could feel something coming on. Like things are moving a little too fast. I'm working with too many people that aren't exactly where I want the, to take the direction of the company. And so I stopped. I have talked to each member on my team about for 2016, trying to evaluate, are they on board with my goals and to really start creating a culture. So the next move for us is getting in office space, having a little bit more of a set routine so that we can all work together and keep creating that culture that ultimately is going to take the business to the next level. So I'm just not charging ahead with things right now. Instead, stopping tightening things up and getting prepared for the next level of growth. Yeah. And I think that's so important because I, it's so easy just to plow like straight ahead. And I mean, even we know that from uh, the two other women that we do the podcast with is sometimes things go so fast. And if you don't take a a moment to stop and assess, then it just will like bulldoze you over. Oh, Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a Ferris Bueller quote too. If the, the world moves really fast, if you don't stop, it might you might miss it or something like that. Yeah, but it's totally true. And so, if you don't stop and carve out that time to evaluate, reassess, and figure out if you're on the right track, then it's really easy to wake up and have no idea where you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, let's. I want to round out our interview just with a few last questions, particularly. To you, is there, with running a business, do you you have a morning routine or are there things that you do every single day that you feel have really helped you build in the level of success that you have going on right now? Definitely. So I am most productive in the morning by far. So I try to limit the number of meetings that I take before like even 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning if possible. And that has been a huge help. I start work around 6.15 or so every morning. And that gives me a couple of silent hours where no one needs my attention. Even if they do send me an email, I don't, no one needs to know that I read it. (laughs) And so having that time in the morning that's just mine to clear my head, have my coffee, go through emails and plan out my day is really, really, really helpful. Of course, it doesn't always work out, but to counter that, I try to have at least two days per week where it's just me and my work. So I deliberately don't take any meetings that are face-to-face. There might be a conference call, there might be something else, but where I can just stay put in my office and produce, review the material. Because at the end of the day, I'm not spinning so high above this company that I'm not in it. I'm I'm in it. Everything that goes out for our clients, I see before it's published. So um, 
I just need to really make sure that while I'm trying to grow the business that I'm also have my have time to review all of the content that we're producing because that's my that's where the editor in chief quote unquote role comes in. <laughs> so do you have any uh like advice or I mean how do you stop working? I find that that is a common theme amongst people in our shoes where it's not a matter of, I mean, we, we keep working because we love it, but there also can be a double-edged sword with that. So like, how do you stop working or do you have boundaries in place for that? Definitely. Um, I, even on Saturday, I received a call from a colleague, left me a message and was like, Hey, it's important. Call me back. And I didn't even listen to the message until Monday because I'm, and not to be rude, and I'm not saying if I had listened to the message, I would have called them back. But ultimately, there has to be days that are dedicated towards the, towards your family, your house, your well-being. And so for me, shutting off usually happens around the time that my husband comes home from work, and which could be around 6 p.m. I'll start getting dinner together. We'll hang out, spend some quality time together, which is so important. And then maybe I'll check in with work for an hour or so before bed. But ultimately, just making sure that if I burned out, I'm useless. So I figured out that I need to have some time to let all of the day's activities sink in, to give my brain some room to breathe and be creative. And without that space, then I'm not going to be as effective for my business the people who work with me and my clients. I love it. It's so true, but it's so hard to say no sometimes because you want to be able to fit everything in, but it's almost like practicing those boundaries and it gets easier over time to do that. Oh my God, totally. And the best advice that I think I could provide on this is no one can see your calendar but you. So if someone says, when you're, when are you free next for a meeting and you have set aside like you time for the next day, you don't need to give that up for all they know you're in a meeting or just say the next available time that is going to still give you that flexibility to be creative. And that has worked wonders for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's another struggle too, is you're so right that they don't know what the calendar says, but it's also that you being accountable to the fact that you have that carved out time and not being like, eh, I can change on that. That's, I can be flexible, but it's like, no, you need to take that time for yourself. Totally. Oh my gosh. And it's so hard. Yeah. But, but once you get into the mentality, it, it doesn't work out every time and be forgiving of yourself. But that doesn't mean that every time you need to give up that that space in your schedule. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I have two more questions for you. Uh, the last or the second to last one is what, um, what are two books that you've read that you feel that have impacted you and they can be fiction, nonfiction, or maybe if they're not books, maybe it's blogs that you read on a, on the regular basis that you feel are influential to your business and your life. Sure. Um, one of them is called The Artist's Way, and it's a creative guide, basically. I It has helped me through multiple periods in my life, like even back in high school when I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go to college. And then later on when I was figuring out where 
what I wanted to do with Yakety Yak. And um, the book is kind of just teaches you how to stay on course, helps you, and it guides you through like writing morning notes to yourself, like filling three pages so you can clear your brain from all of the minutiae and then be more creative. So that is one I can send you the exact Oh, wait, hang on. It's right here. It's called The Artist's Way, A Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity. And it sounds super cheesy, but it is a course in discovering and recovering your creative self. So um, just give some good guidelines for how to stay focused and things like that. Um, The other one is just written by a total badass Amy Poehler. Yes, please. She is just awesome. And her approach to how and what to take from people is killer. So she's got, she's got a ton of great anecdotes in there about how to take control of your career, your life, and do it in a way that is not self-serving, but self-satisfying. I love, I've never, I, I will definitely have to dive into both of those. I've, I love, Amy Poehler's hilarious. Her book, it's awesome. It's If you're going to read one of the two, read that one. Okay. I love it. Yeah. We'll, and we'll definitely put those, for you guys listening, we'll put them in the show notes. So the last question I have is, what is a piece of advice that you would give someone who is listening and maybe on this path and journey in life that they're they're thinking, oh my gosh, what are the options? What's out there? What type of advice or inspiration you could provide for the listeners. How much time do we have? <laughs> um, I think that from the main main thing is don't settle. You will always land on your feet if you believe in yourself and that any fear that you're feeling is just holding you back. So diving in headfirst is the most rewarding thing that you can do. And it doesn't mean that that's the end of the road. It's taking the first step into a life that you can create and a life that you have control over and a career and a path that is all your own. I don't have any regrets about taking, I feel like I was, I wish I had done it sooner, but I needed to have all the pieces in place and for me, once I did take that plunge, and I will never forget my first, my sister's daughter was just born, and I got the, I saw her that morning. I went into the office, and I resigned. And I remember walking down Wacker Drive, feeling like the weight of the world had just been lifted off of me because the world ahead was full of nothing but possibility, and that feeling is irreplaceable. Oh, amen. Amen. That is fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for your time and your inspiration and energy today on the podcast. So I know our listeners are going to absolutely love it. And we will put Ashley's contact information in the show notes if you guys want to get a hold of her. Thank you so much, Ashley. We appreciate thank it. Thank you, Amanda. This has been awesome. Yay. Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast you like this episode head on over to itunes.com to leave us a rating and a review we would love to hear from you and don't forget to check out she did it her way 
where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.